Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, the live stream church services, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15, called Freedom's Opportunities. Verse 13 of Galatians 5, it says, For uh, you were called to freedom. You were called, you could translate this, Galatians 5.13, for the purpose of freedom. God called you to be free. Freedom is your calling. When Jesus called you to himself, he didn't call you to put more weights and burdens on your back, brethren. He didn't call you to end up in some legalistic situation where you walk into a church and so many weights are stacked on your back, you feel like you could never achieve what the expectations are. That's how first century Jews largely felt under the Mosaic law and all the things that have been added to the law. They felt like they could never achieve what was expected of them. They were under burdens and weights. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Learn from me. Come to me. See, Jesus removes the weights. He sets a person free. He doesn't want to add burdens into your life. He wants you to be free to serve. As we said several months ago now, or at least weeks ago, free, freedom is to be free to what you were intended to to be. Never was there a person walking the face of the earth so free as Jesus himself. What was he free to do? To honor his father, to serve other people, to sometimes surprise the religious elite with what he did and how he reached out. And he had stern words for hypocrisy, but words of compassion for any lost sheep who was just willing to give him an audience, willing to say, I will listen. I want to know how to find life. Freedom is an opportunity. Freedom has a couple of different doors. It's hard to find neutrality with freedom. You either, you either use your freedom for good or for ill, for others and God, for God and others or for self. And you may have noticed that our country has become very divided and even aspects of the church where people talk about, oh, I'm free, man, so I can do whatever I want. No, freedom is not a license for the flesh. You are called to freedom. Freedom is your calling, brothers and sisters. But you are free to what? Look at the end of 13, brethren. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. You could say it this way, but to a, for an opportunity to serve one another or through love, serve one another. Freedom becomes an opportunity to serve. On the night before Jesus died on the cross for his bride, his disciples were arguing about which was going to be the greatest. They were constantly bickering about, you know, uh, positioning themselves for the future kingdom and for who would sit on his right hand and left hand. They were even arguing at the Last Supper. And Jesus stooped down, and you remember then that great act of humility, he washed their feet. And Jesus was trying to convey a message that those who are great are servants of all. 
The Lord, the living Lord of the universe, the most fruitful person who ever lived, came to serve. He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. When you and I follow in his train, brethren, we do it by serving one another. And sometimes it's hard to uh, continue to serve. Sometimes you get frustrated. Sometimes you think, well, other people aren't stepping up, so why should I continue to do what I'm doing? Well, here's why. We're a free family, and we model that freedom by serving one another, and people catch the vision of service as they watch it, as they watch it, hopefully, in church leaders, and, of course, modeled in the scriptures by none other than Jesus. Here's a word picture. Uh, when the Lord set the people of Israel free from Egyptian bondage, 400 years of Egyptian bondage under Pharaoh, under the taskmasters. He said, let my people go. He said, Pharaoh, I want you to release my people. Israel is my son. Let my people go. But what was Israel released to do? Out of Egyptian bondage that they may serve me. You can write down Exodus 4.23, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6. I want you to let my people go so that they can go to the mountain of God, if you will, and serve me and worship me. You've had them in bondage. You've had them bowing down in some cases to your false gods. I want them free to serve me. Freedom is not to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want. That's not freedom. Freedom is to worship the true and living God and to find your life connected so vitally to him that fruit just blossoms from your life. See, this is what true freedom is. And I fear that we've kind of redefined freedom uh, in maybe political terms or uh, in something else that maybe the society pushes and we've lost what God says freedom is about. See, freedom is to serve. In fact, the whole law. Now remember, the law has been such a topic in Galatians, right? You can't, you can't by sa be saved by the law. Circumcision doesn't save you. If you try to keep the whole law, you're under a curse. But Paul does say this, once you're saved by grace, the whole law, verse 14, is fulfilled in one word. This is an astonishing statement, but here it is. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law can be fulfilled in your freedom and in my freedom. He said, but, but is that a contradiction? Paul's been saying you can't be saved by doing the law. That's right, you can't be saved by doing the law. The law is a schoolmaster to drive us to Jesus. The law is, is the manifestation, uh, the law manifests sin in our lives. We are under the weight of the law and sin. The law reveals the light of our sin. But remember, Jesus took that off of us. Now the law can be fulfilled once we're saved by grace. Let's make sure we understand this. By loving. Now, there's something that's missing in verse 14, and I'm sure you probably noticed. Because the two great commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can write down Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And the second is like it from Leviticus 19, 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why did Paul leave out part A and only mention part B, loving our neighbor as ourselves? Well, because part A is assumed. That is, if you love God with everything that you are, 
then inevitably the fruit will be that you'll love others. See, when the love of God is the fruit pouring through your life, you're going to love others. So it's assumed. But here's something else. It would seem that the Galatians were destroying one another because of the false teaching that had come into the church and because of the normal things that we all wrestle with. In fact, they were biting and devouring one another. I can't help but think of our, the times that we're in right now. It's probably brought the best and the worst out in people. The best has been, you know, people checking on elderly neighbors, neighbors helping each other, people reaching out to the hurting, uh, many good deeds done by uh, first responders and, uh, you know, medical staff going into hospitals uh, at their own personal risk. There's been a lot of beautiful, wonderful stories of self-sacrifice. On the flip side, <laughs> don't forget when this first started happening, the rush on stores, people uh, gobbling up everything they could get, including toilet paper for some bizarre reason, and uh, very self-consumed actions, which we've seen on, you know, uh, Black Fridays. And, you know, uh, you got to wonder when the Lord looks down at the U.S. in the last couple of decades and sees more and more infringement from our uh, wants and desires infringing on us, uh, thinking about national holidays and seeking the Lord. Sometimes I, I wonder why he hasn't uh, judged us sooner, if you know what I'm saying. And I, I'd be careful to say God's allowed this for his undivine purposes, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, we, we can see how we can take so many things for granted and we can crowd out God. And so here's what was happening in the, in the life of the Galatian church. And Paul says it this way. He says, if you, if you bite and devour one another, take care, brethren, lest you be consumed by one another. If you keep on biting and devouring NIV each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. See, what was happening in the Galatian congregation is that there was a destruction going on. In 1 John 4, 20 and 21, John says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, 1 John 4, 21, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. See, the best thing that we can do with our lives as we love God is love one another. The classic story is told of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And I think it's relevant here. And uh, maybe we'll uh, do a little less of our Galatian verse, verses because I want you to see this story. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 25. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? What, what should we do? You might be looking for some practicals as you turn to Luke chapter 10. One thing that we can do is pray for one another. I think there's 59 one another commands in the New Testament. We can love each other. We can forgive each other. If we've been wounded by somebody else or wounded someone, this would be a great time to forgive. This would be a great time to uh, be praying for reconciliation in relationships. This is a great time to say love doesn't get caught up in the little weaknesses of everybody. Love covers a multitude of sins. There's a number of ways that we can be loving each other. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. First John 4, 20 and 21 John says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, 1 John 4.21, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. See, the best thing that we can do with our lives as we love God is love one another. The classic story is told of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And I think it's relevant here. And uh, maybe we'll uh, do a little less of our Galatian verses because I want you to see this story. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 25. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? What, What should we do? You might be looking for some practicals as you turn to Luke chapter 10. One thing that we can do is pray for one another. I think there's 59 one another commands in the New Testament. We can love each other. We can forgive each other. If we've been wounded by somebody else or wounded someone, this would be a great time to forgive. This would be a great time to uh, be praying for reconciliation in relationships. This is a great time to say love doesn't get caught up in the little weaknesses of everybody. Love covers a multitude of sins. There's a number of ways that we can be loving each other. But here's... um, Luke 10, verse 25, a lawyer, Luke 10, 25, stood up. A lawyer is a scribe or an expert in the Mosaic law of the day, not a lawyer as we would know it. He stood up and put Jesus to the test. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? Since you're an expert in the law, you're a lawyer, you're a scribe, how do you read it? What do you think is the most important? Jesus turns it back on him. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God, the lawyer says now, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, notice, 
your neighbor as yourself. Now he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. Deuteronomy 6 is the famous Hebrew Shema, the prayer that faithful Jews would pray at least a couple times a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with everything that you are, just to summarize it. Leviticus 19.18 often coalesced with that command, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this guy, uh, he's got it, right? He, we, we see this confirmed by Jesus and Paul. He answered correctly, and Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. Isn't it interesting? The man stood up and asked Jesus a question to test him. Now who's being tested? <laughs> the lawyer. Jesus is so brilliant. And he turns it back on the guy, now has him answering his own question. And Jesus says, hey, you, you've answered correctly. He says, do this and you will live. Do you think the lawyer was doing it? Are you? But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Is it the people on the immediate left and right of my home? How about a couple doors down on each side? Who is my neighbor? How about that, Jesus? Dun, 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 dun. Now, he wished to justify himself, but notice what Jesus says. Jesus replied and said, here's a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. They stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest, here's a religious guy now, was going down on that road. And when he saw him, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, here's another guy who is in service of the temple. Also, when he came to the place and saw him, poor man beaten up, laughed, left half dead. What did he do? He passed him on the other side. Now imagine the man is listening to the story along with others who have heard the question in the dialogue. A Jewish audience, but a Samaritan who was hated by the Jewish people who was on a journey, came upon him. When he saw him, what did the Samaritan do? He felt compassion. There was love. Compassion is love in action. And he came to him and he bandaged up his wounds. He was willing to go to him and have compassion. He poured oil and wine on them. He put him on his own beast. Notice all the actions. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, probably would give the guy about three weeks or a month at this inn, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Jesus says to the lawyer. And he, the lawyer, responded and said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. It would have been hard for the man to say, the one who showed mercy was the Samaritan man because there was such a racial conflict going on at the time. And Jesus told the story intentionally to say, you can be religious, but your, if your religiosity doesn't bear fruit in compassion, if it doesn't show neighborly love to someone who's broken and hurting, if you can quote verses and light candles in a structure, but you can't help someone who's let, 
been left half dead and bleeding, and you go to the other side of the road instead of intervening, then you don't have true fruit in your life. And each one of us, as we read Jesus' words here, we have to take a hard look at our Christian walk, don't we? We have to look at the way in which the church operates. And when the doors reopen, when we come, come back by God's grace to normal life, how will this story impact your walk? You know, I, I'm a man who spends a lot of time in the Bible and I can, I can navigate the scriptures pretty well at this point and break down words and understand context and all of that stuff. But if I can't leave these doors and show compassion to somebody... If the love of God is missing in my life, I can be a great technician. I can quote Bible verses left and right. But if I don't have the love of God in me, 1 Corinthians 13 says, I'm nothing. I, I could have all wisdom and all knowledge. I could offer myself in martyrdom. I could have every spiritual gift, have all the eloquence of angelic voices in heavenly halls. I could sing with the best of them. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. And it profits me nothing. Could it be, brethren, that during this time, God is saying to us that the, the biggest missing piece in my church in these times is that they've left their first love. That they are good at doctrine, they're good at this, good at that. Not that we shouldn't be, we should. But what kind of what kind of outreach does God have for us when we return? What's he calling you to do? You're listening to Freedom's Opportunities Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 15. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we'd like to thank you if you've given a $5 donation to Walk in Truth. Our mission is to equip you with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we hope to give you the tools to easily explain the Christian faith to your friends and family and to see how scripture applies to today's issues trends and cultures. So your $5 donations have helped us broadcast on the station you're listening to now and the podcast app you're using too. So to be honest, we're actually broadcasting on less stations these days, but we hope to change that. We need more monthly partners to help us grow and move forward in our mission. Can you become a $10 a month partner? We're looking to the future and knowing you'll be there with us when the time comes to grow is reassuring. Please become a $10 a month partner today. Visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, one of the opportunities that freedom affords us is unity. We have a chance now to be unified because it's not about us. It's about the Lord and his people. And we unify around the truth of Jesus Christ, the essentials of the historic Christian faith. But you may be watching right now and thinking, man, Christians are divided. I watch Christians going at it on social media about this or that, about matters of opinion. How sad. And how sad that the enemy would be getting a foothold in the church. And I pray that we would unite right now about the big issues, about what we truly know is most important, not about matters of opinion. Please, brethren, 
Don't divide over that. That's the enemy, you know, getting the victory instead of us walking in the victory that's already been won. Now you might ask, well, how can we re- how can we unite right now in a world that's so divided and a church that can seem divided? We unite around the essentials of the faith about who Jesus is and how one is saved and what our main mission is. Our main mission is is not some of the peripheral stuff. Our main mission is to get the gospel out. It's to uh, unite over uh, what we know to be true about Jesus and about the gospel. This is the key, and this is what we can do right now. Well, I'd like to invite you to our Sunday morning services at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. It's in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Two Sunday morning services, 9 and 11.15 a.m. We live stream the 9 a.m. service, and you can connect to that at walkintruth.com. Just click on the church tab. You'll get to our YouTube channel. You can join us via live stream or come on out. Hey, if you'd like to be part of a service, we are meeting. We are here, City of Corona, 9 and 11, 15 a.m. You can find out information and directions at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Join us either live or by live stream at the 9 a.m. service. Again, walkintruth.com. Hey, Pastor Michael, signing off for today, but I will join you next time. Have a great weekend. God bless you and your family. One more thing before you go, please follow Walk in Truth show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter because we would love to connect with you. And join us on Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5, 13 through 15 called Freedom's Opportunities. I'm Mike Massaro. Have an awesome weekend and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.